We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, another Nets win tonight, 113-111. You know, Blake Griffin gets the last laugh. How are we feeling, Jack? Weird game, but it's a win, so I'm happy. Yeah, one of the strangest games probably we've seen this season uh, with all the texts and all the calls and all the free throws, but we'll break that down. And as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsarboke.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, do you want to start with that last sequence? Yeah, what the hell is with inbounds in the Brooklyn Nets, Nick? What is wrong with them? Yeah, I mean, they're really struggling in some of those situations. This should have been an easy win. Obviously, Joe Harris missed that free throw early on. That probably could have sealed it a little bit more. But then they have an opportunity to inbound the ball. And the combination they have in the inbound is Jeff Green to Blake Griffin. Sadiq Bey, you know, made a great play right there. Blake Griffin lost of his positioning. And honestly, not a great pass from Jeff Green. But the question really is, why are the Nets not setting up better plays out of the inbounds? You know what I mean? In these late-game situations, it seems almost like the same thing every time, Jack. Yeah, I think, like, you look at the Detroit Pistons and what they did and the way they set up their court, you know, have one guy at half court far away. So it just drags people in different positions and allows yeah. more open spaces so guys can attack into space rather than be isolated. And Sadiq Bey, we know, is a, a really good defender. He had an awesome game. You know, Sadiq Bey, Nets killer. Um, <laughs> Nets Twitter's favorite uh, in, in saying that as well. But, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. again. I think if we do get into those situations again, Yes, it is going to help to have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant uh, back sooner rather than later, hopefully. But the Nets just need to be smarter. The coaches need to be drawing up better plays for them. Yeah, I agree, Jack. And obviously, like you said, you know, Kyrie back, Harden in the game, actually, because he was fouled out at that point. And then also Kevin Durant being back there. That's an extremely large target for you to have. But something they need to clean up. Hopefully, you know, they're in a couple more of these situations to get those reps in because kind of like Blake Griffin alluded to at the end of the game, they haven't necessarily had a ton of practice this season because of the condensed schedule. And that'd be one thing that they need some practice reps with. Yeah, I mean, look, you can't necessarily... 
Uh, some of it is practice. Some of it is just like, you know, just being smarter, like, you know, yeah. just create better spaces, be a bit more versatile, be a bit more unpredictable because we can't do this we see James Harden, you know, make those late game fouls and such because, you know, he, he has the basketball smarts and then yep. now has to do so. And th- these players should know how to do that. And yes, obviously, some of it is on the coaches and maybe a bit of in- inexperience from Steve Nash and such. So they need to be better. Um, it's happened far too often for this to be, you know, just a, a one-off. It has now become a trend. So uh, hopefully we learn this from this game uh, and hopefully going forward, it just doesn't happen again. Or uh, at the very least, we make some changes. I agree, Jack. Obviously, like you said, there's a couple different elements they can address with this to get better. But talking about the rest of the game, it really was just a close game the entire time. Every time it felt like the Nets were going to take a large lead and blow it up, the Pistons kind of came back and kept it within, you know, single digits. Yeah, they were chippy tonight. I think it was a really just chippy game overall. You know, Blake Griffin first game against his former team. No love lost there with Isaiah Stewart. You know, there were fouls and texts aplenty. The refereeing was a little bit weird. I will say to remain objective that that charge on Sadiq Bay was very weak. It made the Kawhi Leonard one look like even even worse. That was, that call I don't think was there. I'm not sure what your thoughts on it were, Nick. But yeah, it was really back and forth all night, and the Nets really couldn't get that little bit of a buffer, which meant you know James Harden had to play 42 minutes. He would have played you know 44 probably um, if he had been in the game for for the closing stretches. So. Look, wins a win, as they say, and and you move on to the next one. And you know, two out of three uh, after this little mini road trip, head back home. Hopefully, gain a bit of ascendancy going forward. Yeah, I agree, Jack. Fifty-seven fouls in this game. So, like you said, you know, both teams probably weren't very happy with a lot of those calls. And I think it was very inconsistent. You'd see a lot of contact, and then, like you mentioned, Sadiq Bay play. You know, barely any contact. That's probably a no call. Just let the play go on right there. So, just really interesting game. And like you said, there was definitely some bad blood between Blake Griffin and his former teammates. And even it seemed like every time Blake had a big play, he would have something to say to the Pistons bench. I don't know if that was in a joking matter. I still got it. Yeah, a joking matter or whatever it was. It was definitely interesting, but obviously Blake Griffin had probably his best game as a net, right, Jack? It was the second best book on that tonight, Nick. Obviously, James Harden was otherworldly, MVP level. We'll get to him, but Blake Griffin in 20 minutes tonight, 5-8 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 5 of 6 in the free throw line, couple of dimes there, couple of boards as well, 17 points, plus 5 coming off the bench. He was goddamn great. And, you know, whether it was a lob or whether it was a three, Blake Griffin was awesome. Had that little bit of extra, you know what, uh, you know, a little bit of an FU performance to the Detroit Pistons. But, yeah, he was awesome tonight. It was good to see. Hopefully uh, this is more uh, of a trend going forward. We get to see this level of production from Blake Griffin. He could be the best buyout that the got out of someone. Yeah, no, he really could, Jack. And like you said, we saw, you know, some different elements of his game tonight, knocking down the three ball. He had that nice pass to Joe Harris in the corner. Uh, defensively, you know, there was a couple times where he got exposed. That's going to happen. But offensively, he's starting to look more comfortable, specifically with James Harden, and also getting some of those post touches, especially when the Nets, you know, need some offense. They can go to him in the post. He's going to get a double team, create some offense out of that, especially in times when James Harden wasn't out there. And I thought the minutes even without James Harden, the Nets' second unit actually played pretty well. Oh, I thought the second unit was great tonight in the absence of James Harden. You know, he needs to get some semblance of a rest. Yeah. You know, he had the game off, so he could play 48 minutes <laughs> the next game, apparently, according to Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni. But in all honesty, Blake Griffin tonight, some of his best plays, Nick, were probably the ones 
that obviously we'll talk about. But the one where he got double teamed down low and made that incredible outlet pass to Tyler Johnson, I think it was, and, and he nailed the three. His ability to just draw a defense, despite the fact that obviously we know he's not the Blake Griffin of a couple of years ago, but that lob shirt certainly showed us something. Yep. And that three ball's looking pretty goddamn nice. What is he, three or four as a Brooklyn net right now? 75% from the field, even better than Joe goddamn Harris. But in, in all honesty, I think that he just adds a lot to this offense and, and makes our strength and just makes it easier when there isn't, you know, you have the absence of Kyrie Irving. You don't have James Harden out there when he's sitting on the bench and obviously Kevin Durant too. You have Blake Griffin, who is a, an otherworldly offensive player in terms of his intelligence as well. He knows what he can do, even if he doesn't have some of the skills that he did have five seasons ago. He's still got incredible passing acumen. He's still an incredibly strong player. Like you mentioned, in the low post, it's just like feed him because he's either going to kick it out, get that ball fizzing around a bit, or he's going to overwhelm you with his presence and strength and he's now down low. Uh, I thought it was a really, really great game for him. And I thought he maybe should have played some more minutes. Yeah, six free throw attempts as well. You know, you always like to see people get to the line, like you said, Jack. I think the foul trouble really probably kept him out of this game. You know, five fouls. Steve Nash, I honestly felt like might end up closing with him just because there was some extra energy there. And like you said, you know, just you like the toughness too. You know what I mean? Isaiah Stewart was battling with him. He was battling with... uh everyone on the Pistons it felt like so I think that gives the Nets a little bit of extra element and we talked about when they first signed Blake Griffin that he could provide some chippiness and some toughness and just kind of I'm not going to take any shit down low yeah I like that you know you, you want those sort of teams to have that little bit of arrogance too I saw people on Twitter saying that you know Blake Griffin makes the the Nets unwatchable he makes them a villain it's just <laughs> like well like we got James Harden and, and we got you know Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving a heap of the other guys I'm pretty sure that's probably more what makes us a villain if you villain if you're talking about Blake Griffin uh, on a vet minimum contract uh, as a buyout candidate then um, I don't know what to tell you but yeah in all honesty I, I, I'm not necessarily sure we're going to get this consistently from Blake Griffin but if you get these one-off sort of performances throughout the postseason and I think you I think you possibly can you know whether it's in the first round second round or hopefully in the finals um, I, I just think that he's going to work himself and he's only going to get better. He's talking about, he talked to Michael Grady and Sarah uh, in the post game as well, just saying that he's filling out his reps. Like you said, the lack of practice certainly doesn't help, especially these buyout guys heading to their new teams, acclimating themselves. But he has fit sort of well. I, I yeah. do agree with you that defensively he does, when he's isolated, he does look a little bit lost sometimes. I think it's a loss of, I think he just doesn't have the lateral quickness yeah. to keep up with a Jeremy Grant. And I think Jeremy Grant is just a, a superb athlete. But if all other guys, you know, I don't necessarily think it's too bad. And, you know, he did have clacks down low to sort of recover a little bit for him every now and then. But overall, you know, when he's down in the post a little bit and he's he's not necessarily out on an island, you know, that's where you want Nicholas Claxton and you want Bruce Brown and those sort of dudes out there. But overall, I still think he's steady and, and he's fitting well into the switching scheme and the principles that we do have on both ends of the floor. He creates a lot of the ball movement too. I think just his presence and, you know, his ability to just get that ball into open spots and make good shots, great shots. Uh, I, I just thought that he gave the team a lot of energy tonight and without him I don't think the Nets get this W yeah no for sure he gives them just that extra little pop and like you said without a Kyrie without a Kevin Durant it's a guy you have that can create something especially with James Harden like you mentioned being off the floor for a little bit so you know it's nice to see Blake do this and hopefully like you said maybe we'll see this you know one every three games one every five games whatever it is the Nets don't necessarily need this every night but that occasional extra pop for the second unit especially when somebody's out that's pretty big to have
Definitely. And I think tonight, because our bench struggled a little bit, especially, uh, I think that he was sort of like a steadying force out there. And, you know, I think we struggled for offense a little bit, Nick, yeah. outside of James Harden, I thought. Um, I just think that when you have a guy that has that offensive intelligence and that offensive productivity, um, it's, it's a luxury to have when you things aren't necessarily going your way. You aren't finding things in the short roll. You aren't, you know, being able to get that ball movement going. The Detroit Pistons are showing some feistiness and sort of creating it, making it more of a scrap. You know, the, we know that the Nets like to play a, a little bit of a prettier basketball style of game. You know, get out in transition, get that ball movement, get the assists up. Uh, and the, the Pistons, to their credit, made it a scrappy and yep. physical affair. And the Nets certainly showed their own there as well, you know, especially on the offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed glass and just the general physicality sort of play uh, and I thought some of that did suit them it sort of gave them energy and spurts at times yeah and Detroit like you said Jack I felt like played well tonight you know they had some guys that played really hard and they had some guys who just put up big performances like Frank Jackson randomly cooking in the fourth quarter and scoring 14 points that was just something I could have never really yeah, Mason Plumley taking threes as well god uh, to quote Eric Collins oh god <laughs> no that that was a rough three but Plumley did have that really nice pass behind his head in this game. That was kind of incredible for him. But Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Getting back to the Nets, you mentioned it, James Harden, MVP performance tonight, 44 points, 14 of 30 from the field, 4 of 11 from 3, 12 of 14 from the free throw line, 14 rebounds and 8 assists. Jack, you put the team on his back. It's awesome. Uh, James Harden is, is incredible. Uh, and I think we've mentioned about this about him before. As a competitor, you know, regular season games mean something to him. He makes them mean something to him. Whereas that a lot of other players, and look, you know, whether it's Kyrie Irving or, or some other guys, and it's not a discredit to them, it's just because their focus lies elsewhere. James Harden plays every game like it's his last. He yeah. wants to win. He's competitive. He wants to get those shots. I don't necessarily agree with his final, um, the, the final shot taking the step back three. I thought he he had that floater game going all night. He was getting to the line a plenty and he was able to find space in that regard. Uh, I thought he could have done a little bit better with that shot selection. But overall, you know, I'm, I'm nitpicking at what was a, a truly incredible performance, uh, especially that floater, Nick, because it's almost like he has a variety in that floater. It's just like sometimes mm. he can just go, Whoa, and he sort of like just moves his hand incredibly quickly. And I'm like, 
Are you throwing a lob or are you trying to shoot the ball off a floater here? You just can't necessarily tell by his hand movement. The defenders can't either. No, exactly. And then there's other times where he has just that, he's got, all right, I've got a little more time here. Let's just guide the ball in. As they say in Happy Gilmore, a little bit of a tap, tap, tap a -roo. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he was uh, just otherworldly offensively. I like it when he gets to the line. It, it just shows. And, and I thought that we did see some good signs with that three ball. Four of 11 from there, as you alluded to. Seems to me he's feeling a little bit more, the, maybe the game off gave him a little bit more uh, juice, a little bit more confidence from there. But I expect him to get back to his, his three-point shooting ways. But this was just this game without James Harden. Uh, he is just so goddamn important. He individually, game after game after game, there is not a play you would rather have, you know, when you, it is a tight game or when you want to win in a regular season. The game doesn't necessarily matter any other. It matters to Harden, and therefore it matters to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, and I mean, Harden, like you said, Jack, the stats don't even really do him justice. Only eight assists in this game. Felt like he had a ton of hockey assists in this one, even from the start of the game with some of those deep outlet passes. Full court won the Tyler Johnson, then Tyler hit Joe Harris, and then that happened a couple times in this game. So just Harden really just creates so much for the Nets. And even when he's on the floor and not doing something, he's getting so much attention. It's making life easier on other players in this team. So like you said, Jack, Really competitive guy, lucky to have the durability and somebody who can kind of just keep the nets afloat while Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are out at different points and they can beat a lot of teams in the league with just James yeah. Harden. No, exactly. You know, we, he's done that obviously through countless years uh, of his career. And, and, and Nick, I guess I was I, I was going to talk about some JBT, but I think I'll bring it here instead. We had Charles Barkley say, and you know, Charles Barkley is a takesman of sorts, called James Harden one of the best offensive players ever. You agree with that sentiment? What are your thoughts on it? And I guess provide me a bit more nuance that we don't necessarily get from the, the TNT crew on uh, an NBA. Yeah, I think what Charles is talking about, at least I'm going to try to, you know, interpret his take there. I think, you know, James Harden is one of the best offensive players ever. You know, you just look at the statistics and the points he's accumulated for the Houston Rockets in the past via, you know, literally scoring the bucket or also with the assist. So I think he just kind of creates so much for an offense and can do so much just by himself. And I think it's really the combination of the passing and the scoring. Like you said, he has a lot of different elements. Like he can take to the lane and use his body and just lay it in. He also has that floater game, just that little bit of a push shot as well. And then the difference between having, you know, the lob or the push shot just makes defenders so unbalanced. And then you throw in probably his greatest tool, his step back three. And that's just kind of one of those shots that if it's on, I'm not sure what you really do other than double team him. So I think as just a single player in the regular season, James Harden creates just as much offense as anyone in NBA history. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. He might be one of the best regular season players uh, of the modern era. And, you know, you just talk about sort of like LeBron James and him not getting enough, you know, MVPs along the way. I think you can make an argument that James Harden might deserve one or two more as well. I, I, we know that the Russell Westbrook one, um, I, when I was talking to JBT a couple of years ago, I did have Westbrook, my co-host, uh, the, the more established and uh, the guys who have the name Nick seem to always be a bit smarter than me. He thought James Harden should have had it. But, you know, I, I just learned just watching this guy night after night after night. And, and it's not that I didn't watch him as a Houston Rocket. He just impacted so many levels, like yep. you alluded to, Nick. You talk about tonight, you know, he has 44 points and then he has eight assists. That's 60 of the 113 points were accounted for by James Harden in some respect. It's just crucial. And it might be more of its threes. 
right? Exactly, exactly. And and I think that's one thing that sort of took, you know, maybe if we had seen this game, this game had occurred, you know, a week or so ago, maybe James Harden only has 30 points because, you know, he's only one of 11 from three or one of nine from three. But I thought his three ball did look better. It wasn't necessarily the James Harden that probably could have had like a 50 or 60 point triple double. I know a lot of other people who I'm chatting with in the DMs and, and, and popping off on Twitter as well wanted that too. But this is a good sign because if that three ball is going, uh, then it only makes him even more unstoppable. He's pretty much unstoppable as it is, but, you know, he it takes him to another worldly level. Yeah, I think you just saw a little bit more rhythm because it's like almost a dance move with the step back. It's like a step forward, step back side, like like you're doing on the on the call right now, Jack, uh, doing a little shake for me. But um, clack, sit, clack, clack, sit, shoot. <laughs> but really, you know, it's when he gets that going, and obviously this isn't even like the fullest power of James Harden because he's going to be playing with better teammates. You know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and even honestly, I think the Nets are missing Landry Shamit right now just having another floor spacer and he's done pretty well with James Harden on the floor. And we talked about this a little bit, a little bit in the DMS starting lineup doesn't necessarily utilize James Harden to the best of his abilities. I, I look, I, I put it out on Twitter as well. Nick. I, I don't like the starting lineup. I think something yeah. needs to change and you know, put Bruce on the bench, put DJ on the bench. I don't necessarily care. Something needs to change because it's just clunky and yep. it doesn't like you alluded to doesn't allow James Harden the space that he needs to attack the lane because a lot of the times when he's out there with the second unit it's just there's just so much more space you only have Nicholas Claxton in the dunker spot and then when Claxton's there he's smart enough to get out of the way or be there as a lob threat which he did um, tonight and he was also a a massive threat on the glass too I thought he was absolutely incredible there but uh, you're on James Harden and and I guess the starting unit what is the move that needs to be made Nick I'll ask you you're Steve Nash I give you the keys you get to choose uh, who starts against um, in our next performance who is it yeah I mean if it's if I'm Steve Nash I'm hoping Kyrie Irving is back that makes my life really easy but um you know I, I like the second unit really of Blake Griffin and Nick Claxton so I think I might leave Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan for now and maybe just sub in Tyler Johnson for Bruce Brown you know what I mean gives you a little bit of that floor spacing pretty comfortable playing with James Harden just based off who they have right now I think that might be a better option and it feels like Bruce is a better fit with the second unit as well maybe stagger some of those minutes with Tyler Johnson too because I felt like he's been good with the second unit but like like we have out two guards and it, it's funny enough the, in the past, we're like, oh my God, the Nets have so many guards. Right <laughs> now, they're they're kind of missing some of those guards. You know, you have Tyler, uh, you have Tyler Johnson, you have Bruce Brown, you have James Harden, but after that, you know, you're not really playing Chris Chioza. No, not at all. And when we saw we saw the other game, the the three big lineup that we sort of had a bit, yeah. a bit of a chat about, and thankfully we didn't see it tonight. You know, we would have liked to see a bit of uh, Alizé Johnson out there, uh, but for a bit of more athleticism, uh, maybe he should have got the minutes over TLC. He might not have got crossed into the ether like by Mason freaking Plumley. We'll get to that. I, did, I will say just to defend TLC a touch, he did trip over Jeff Green's foot. Like if you watch the replay, he stepped on his foot. I'm not here to defend him because I'm still pretty <laughs> upset about that closeout on Frank Jackson in the fourth quarter, but. Yeah, look, we'll get to TLC in a little bit. Just staying with that starting line. I, I agree with you, Nick. You know, Tyler Johnson, you know, obviously the, the the facsimile is Kyrie Irving if he is back when we do head home after he's had a bit of time. And congrats to Kyrie Irving, new new Papa Papa Kyrie. He had his birthday, had a kid. It's been a heck of a week for Kyrie Andrew Irving and his fiance. So um, massive shout out to their family. Hopefully all is well with with and we heard a you know, we, we sort of chatted about, you know, in the DMs. I had people asking me in the DMs, you are you are you sure Kyrie doesn't want to just have like a birthday? 
birthday celebration, you know, with his fiance, and we see he's having a goddamn kid live the man alone, let him live his life. I love the way he's just able to sort of isolate himself from the basketball world and have his personal life. Um, we are all Kyrie Irving stands on the Brooklyn Buzz, as are all the listeners, no doubt about that. But yeah, it'll be nice to hopefully have him back soon, get him balling, because when he's had those rests and he's come back, He's looked incredible. And if you automatically replace Bruce Brown and then you let James Harden cook with the second unit and Bruce Brown, that gets the best out of Bruce Brown too. Yeah, it really does. And obviously we've seen the way players play after they have babies. You know, Fred Van Vliet, <laughs> Mike Conley. We've seen them cook. I put out the tweet. I mean, this might lock the Nets into the finals if Kyrie comes out scorching. He's already having a great season. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see him come back now. 60, 45, 95 season coming up for Kyrie Irving. Now, yeah, what would you do if he dropped the 50 piece on the return? Oh, man. I would not be surprised, to be honest. You know, He's I think an emotional James... guy, so it like would make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I think basketball in general is an emotional sport. We saw tonight, yeah. you know, Blake Griffin with that aggression, DeAndre Jordan after that pretty <laughs> awful no-call, I will say. And that yeah. actually did allow DJ to, to really, you know, bounce back a little bit because I thought after that point, you know, he was good. Like, he wasn't amazing, but he was good compared to the sort of the first seven or eight minutes of the game where he was DeAndre Jordan, I guess. Yeah, no, he definitely seemed like he was sparked up after that play. You know, a couple big dunks in there. Obviously, Detroit's not great, but you just kind of need to find a way to motivate him. Six offensive rebounds, though, for DeAndre tonight, which is pretty impressive. Might be a season high. I thought the, the, the nets on the offensive glass were absolutely incredible. And it's not a stat that we necessarily dominate uh, quite a lot, Nick. You know, we were 49 to 36 in that department overall, and then 16 to 7 in offensive boards. And like you mentioned, you had DJ leading the way with a 6. You had Nicholas Claxton with 5. You had James Harden chipping in with 2. Joe, Jeff, uh, and Blake Griffin also had one apiece themselves. I thought that that, you know, it, it played into the sort of scrappiness factor, you know, wanting to get extra possessions, wanting to get extra points. And I thought DJ was good there and, and that's an area where he can impact the game you know we don't just want you know five boards and all of them defensive and it's just closing a possession and it's just because you know the the, the offense has just made their way up and there's no one else boxing you out downstairs i saw him jump a little bit i saw him mm. want to get the board i saw him wanted to to get it out there so i, I think that i know sometimes when we saw james Harden have a little bit of a chat to him on the bench as well it's just like Sometimes basketball is a mental sport, Nick. We know yeah. this, and sometimes it requires a level of engagement. But again, he played, you know, a large majority of that first quarter, which I didn't agree with. I'm, I'm getting really over that. Hopefully, you know, Nicholas Claxton can start playing maybe 28 minutes, so he can come in at the eight minute mark rather than the 10 minute mark. But yeah, overall, it was a it was a bipolar performance from DeAndre. We got the best and we got the worst. Yeah, I agree, Jack. And obviously, I think moving forward, Steve Nash has some options to not do that whole first quarter thing like you mentioned. We saw a little bit of Jeff Green and Blake Griffin tonight. We can see a little Jeff Green, Nick Claxton, Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton. So now you have some different combinations. And obviously, Kevin Durant's going to be back, you know, what seems like pretty soon. I would assume he's going to be back at some point in April. And now, all of a sudden, now you're going to have a, almost a hard time finding minutes for one of these guys. Yeah, I know a lot of other people have been worried, including myself, and you've remained a, a steadying force for me, providing me with a, a <laughs> sense of stability that I've needed. And I also listened to Sarah Kustok on an athletic NBA show, and she, she seemed pretty confident, yep. despite being asked by, I think it was Wozniak Lambray, about, oh, are you not worried about this? It's been quite a while. And she was just like, look, I think they're just taking their time and, and, and making sure he gets the reps and does all the little things. And that made me a little bit more confident because, you know, Kuz, obviously, she, she's, you know, she switched on. Uh, in a lot yeah. of different respects. But in saying that, comment from Steve Nash, Jack, just to touch real quick, when he mentioned, I think it was about a week ago, saying, you know, if it was the playoffs, 
Durant would be back soon. So it's just like, it just feels like they're being extremely cautious. And there's so many different elements to worry about because now you're worrying about the hamstring, but you also want to make sure that's not impacting the Achilles recovery. And obviously you want KD feeling confident in his play. And we know he's just a kind of a perfectionist. So he wants his game to be A1 before he comes back. Yeah, give a little bit of insight into what no one really cares about. My own mini recovery from an ankle injury that's been going on. Uh, recently, uh, I talked to my do? physio. Uh, I, I did an ankle playing basketball ages ago, and, and it's still bothering me. And only now have I sort of reached out to, to one of my mates who's a physio. And you have to do strengthening exercises for not just the ankle itself, but then the Achilles and everything around yep. it to make sure that you have that strength so you don't affect the muscles too. And we know that that's that, you know Kevin Durant's likely doing with the hamstring. You don't want anything to happen with the calf, the Achilles any other ailments and, and sort of him favoring the other side uh, or, or any other sort of little niggles that could pop up. We want him, hopefully, to just have a long stretch of basketball because he hasn't been lucky enough to have that run. And part of that is, the, you know, the goddamn Adam Silver in the NBA. And some of that is because, you know, he's obviously coming back from the most serious injury you can have in, in any sport for that matter. So hopefully back sooner rather than later. Maybe we get Gorgie Jank to provide us a little bit of a... Um, backup center minutes. I know that everyone was in on Gorgie Jane, Nick. I brought it up on, on the did. bars and now everyone else is standing. I feel like the, the, everyone stole your idea, bro. <laughs> they did, Nick. It was the Kai Stunk. It was all these uh, NBA anal- uh, analytics Twitter heads and I'm just like... I will say this. Uh, our guy Matt Brooks put out a tweet about Gorgie Dang and it was like, yeah, offensively he can be good but his rim protection numbers are pretty trash. Hey, uh, it's in 22 games, Nick. Let's give, him, <laughs> let's give him a sample size. He's playing alongside Nicholas Claxton, or you know, you've got you know, Bruce Brown on the perimeter for you rather than John Morant. Now, look, I, I agree. <laughs> Ultimately, stats the stats, but he would be better than you know DeAndre Jordan. He would be a, a really nice backup. And like I alluded to, you know, out of Lamarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond, all the rest of the guys that are available now that Javale McGee now is heading to Denver. Now, Gorgie Jang's at the top of my list now by a goddamn mile. Yeah, and I think also, you know, the I think the real selling point for him would be like, you can put him on the bench and he literally does not have to play a single minute. And he's probably not going to be upset. He just wants the opportunity and sign with another team and be on a contender. And honestly, it feels like Steve Nash is getting pretty comfortable with Nick Claxton being the closing center. And he deserves it, Nick. Yep. He, even when he's not necessarily impacting offensively like he was tonight, you know, he, he did get to the free throw line a little, needs to start making those free throws. I think a lot of the Brooklyn Nets need to do that, including my boy Joey Buckets. It was only one of four from the field, but man, he was just hungry on the glass. He was showing physicality and athleticism. And then that final play on Corey Joseph. I have no idea how he didn't foul him there, Nick. I literally don't. He did it earlier in the game, too, where he contested a three and like, contorted his body away from Wayne Ellington. It was really impressive. And I think for Nick Claxton, the stat line's not great. It wasn't his best game as a net, but the fact he found other ways to have an impact, like you mentioned, the offensive boards, especially late in this game, that was pretty huge. I will say, Corey Joseph, he did catch him at the end, but Corey Joseph was one of the only guards I've seen have success against Nick Claxton. I think it's also because the point of Corey Joseph's always kind of undersized and doesn't have the quickness. He's not a great athlete, so he's typically used to just shooting it over you know, crazy long defenders like Nick Claxton. But again... There were some struggles out there offensively. You know, doesn't necessarily have the toughness. I thought he was late on a couple of his rotations for the rim protection, but it's going to be growing pains overall. Still happy with his performance. Yeah, it's one of the few games where he isn't positive in the plus minus, and he was only minus two. I still think that he was 
you know, the one of the Nets' best players tonight in terms of the impact that he did make yep. when he was on the floor. You know, generally the lineups that made the most sense were the ones that had Nicholas Claxton in them. You know, when it was with James Harden or Blake Griffin or, or whoever else it might be, you know, Claxton was just there and he was just doing the right things. He just runs like a goddamn madman. And, you know, it, it's nice to sort of see the steadiness in his minutes, you know, 25, 26. Um, I think that once he sort of gets that conditioning, gets used to that, he's able yep. to maintain the level of impact there. Maybe we see a, a mild jump to like 28 or so and um, and then slowly but surely when he when the games do start to matter and the rotation does shrink you get Nicholas Claxton for 30 to 32 minutes and obviously like you mentioned on previous pods Nick that could be a ways away but I do think we could see that um, at some point in the future yeah and honestly hopefully the Nets don't need to unlock that until maybe some of the bigger games I'm pretty happy with the 25 minutes especially because that's getting you close to the conditioning numbers you want to have and he's still an undersized center so you don't want to bang with him too much but Jack who do you want to talk about next Look, Nick, I I think Tyler Johnson deserves a lot of credit as well uh, mm-hmm. for what he did in the fourth quarter. You know, those two threes were just clutch as hell. Yep. You know, uh, I thought he, you know, obviously four assists from him too, his secondary playmaking. He seemed to me, you know, I sort of mentioned steadiness and, and reliability a little bit on this pod. Was plus nine, eight points, two or six from, the, um, from three and had a, a nice little elbow jumper as well. He always looks really good from um, either area on the left or the right from the elbow. Um, and, and did have a steal too. I thought that Tyler Tyler Johnson, um, what's popping Mr. Jack Harlow himself was really goddamn good tonight. Yeah, he's just a really solid player. Like, he's not necessarily amazing at anything, but he gives you, like you said, kind of that steadying force, and he understands how to play next to James Harden and how he can benefit playing with some of these players. For sure, and and I think that that's something that you want out of your role players. Yep. You know, just can you do all these little things um, next to the superstars? Tyler Johnson, yes, he can. Yep, exactly, Jack. And obviously, you know, he wasn't really getting any minutes in the beginning of the season. Now he's kind of become, I don't want to say a crucial part of the team, but a part of the rotation on a regular basis. For sure. And I think he's he's earned that spot because he's able to, you know, what you want out of your role players is how much can, what can you do with the minutes that you are given? In that sort of like 18 to 25 range, can you make an impact? Can you be steady enough to just make the right decisions when the game calls you uh, to, to do so? And Tyler Johnson, every single time, it, it feels like maybe only one game this season where he's gotten uh, you know a decent amount of minutes. It seemed that we've been able to say that like you know, uh, man, T- Tyler wasn't necessarily that great tonight. Other than that, re- either average or better. Yeah, I agree, Jack. Let's talk about your guy, Joe Harris. Nine points tonight, three eight from the field, two of three from three, one of two from the free throw line, three assists, two rebounds. How'd you feel about Joe's game? One of the poorer games from Joe. Uh, I thought this was maybe, you know, bottom three in, in the games that he's played this season. You know, it seems to me that in the closing lineups, he seems to shrink a little bit from the moment and uh, it just uh, gets a little bit frazzled and such. Uh, it's just weird how a guy who's so goddamn lethal from the uh, three-point line can be so poor as a free-throw shooter. Maybe he just needs to take about 10 steps back and uh, ask the ref <laughs> if he can take them from three. Um, but in, 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 all, in all seriousness, though, uh, I, I think that athletic teams seem to bother Joe. And, yeah. and, and, you know, the Detroit Pistons are an athletic team um, and, and other teams in the past that, are, that have similar sort of attributes do bother Joe because ultimately, you know, he's still, you know, hustling. I thought that there was a really weak foul on him on former Brooklyn net Mason Plumley, who had maybe one of his best games other than that goddamn ugly three ball um, that we saw from him. But yeah, I, I thought that was a bit of a weak call. Um, but overall, he still shows effort. And, and I think that at, it was he was the worst player in, in plus minus two. So that's that's saying something because, you know, Nicholas Claxton, Joe Harris, these two are normally the guys in the sort of single game plus minus that we sort of rave about. 
Yeah, I think you nailed it, Jack. Some of the athletic teams, especially with all the switching, it's just going to be tough. Like, you got to switch on to Jeremy Grant a lot in this game. Even guys like Diallo are just so much quicker than him. And I thought, you know, Wayne Ellington kind of has a feel about, like, what Joe Harris is trying to do. McGruger did a nice job in this game, kind of chasing everybody around. So they kind of limited him off that three-point line. We saw him have that one nice drive in this game. But overall, I, I don't think I'm, like, upset with his play. It just wasn't one of his best games. Yeah, for sure. And look, you'll you'll get a bounce back performance from Joe. You know, head back home. You know, make sure he gets his uh, coffee and and make sure that tattoo's cleaned up a little bit. Maybe not might need to, to color it in a little bit. Uh, but but overall, I, I thought that you know this wasn't his best game. But you know, I don't I don't think that he's going to continue that trend. Yeah, I think like many Nets, the two-day rest should be beneficial for him, you know, having Saturday and Sunday off. So that should be a nice boost. Uh, Jeff Green, you know, not necessarily a big game from him. He did have that clutch three at the end, but eight points, two or three from the field, one of two from three, three or four from the free throw line, three rebounds, two blocks. What did you think about Jeff tonight? Solid. Uh, I still think he was solid. Um, it wasn't necessarily the the masterful performance that was sort of set of, of Jeff Green beforehand, but I still think it was an above average game. And, you know, he should be arrested for attempted murder for, I don't know, the ninth time this season. That dude is just trying to kill young fellas out there. Uncle Jeff, don't do that to him. But, and, and I think that that three from him, that was just clutch. And, yeah. I, and I felt pretty confident once the ball was in his hands. I'm like, Joe's going to hit, uh, Jeff's going to hit this here. Yeah, no, I think he just knows the moment. He's like, hey, I have to take the shot. It just makes sense for the offense at this time. And like you said, you know, he'll have bigger games. I think also Detroit's game plan and some of the Nets' lack of shooting on the floor in different lineups kind of prevented Jeff Green from having some of those driving lanes in which we see him usually attack. And also just some of the athleticism of the bigs that Detroit does have. Definitely, definitely. So, look, Jeff is going to continue to be an important a player for the Nets, and I'm looking forward to when KD gets back because it does lessen his minutes load and lessen his overall load on both ends of the floor. Uh, and and I feel like have... his threes are way more wide open. Yeah, definitely. And, and it, it also makes Jeff, um, James Harden's three more wide, threes wide more open and yep. uh, way more wide open. And same with Kyrie Irving. It's just the, the, the nature of having that extra talent on the team. Yeah, 100%. And talking about a guy who also didn't necessarily have a great game tonight, that was TLC, seven points, two of eight from the field, one of six from three. Did have six rebounds, though. Yeah, look, the six rebound is something that sort of sticks out a little bit. But it's just you, the sporadic nature of TLC. Sometimes it's just, and look, he was plus 12 as well. It was, sorry, it was the, the biggest contributor in that respect. So I don't know what else to sort of say from TLC other than like, you know, hopefully Kevin Durant's back soon. So I don't think he really is. And again, he was the first guy off the bench as well. Um, I, I get it was replacing Joe. So it's sort of like, you know, small forward sort of position. You're not necessarily going to put Tyler Johnson out there. Uh, and, and I think he's just getting minutes because he does, he's doing enough. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, the three ball, yeah, one of six from there wasn't necessarily the most reliable. Uh, I just don't know how to sort of really summarize this performance from TLC other than okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it when you said sporadic because there's moments where it's like, oh, that's a solid play, TLC. And then there's other moments where it's like, my God, what are you doing? Like he did have a nice drive on Jeremy Grant where he put the ball on the floor and he hit a behind the back and a nice little like almost Euro step on him. But then I mentioned earlier that foul on the closeout is something we consistently see. And like, obviously you're going to have bad shooting nights, but it just feels like TLC is so hot and cold because a lot of those looks were essentially wide open. 
Yeah, he's Katy Perry in a nutshell, Nick. You're hot and you're cold, you're yes and you're no. You're in, you're in, you're out, you're up, then you're down. It's TLC in a guy that nutshell. Honestly, that is a really good description of TLC. But talking about another guy, Bruce Brown also had another return to Detroit tonight. Not one of his best games either. Seven points, two of seven from the field, one of three from three, two for two from the free throw line. Did have two rebounds and one assist. And I think that we saw the stat that before the All-Star break, he was, you know, 61% shooting, I think like 41, 14 points per game, something like that. Uh, and then coming back from the All-Star game, seven or eight games, only four, just a bit over 41% from the field, only like seven or eight points uh, per game. I think a lot of it is, Nick. We don't necessarily need to discuss it again. It's just the, the fit alongside DeAndre Jordan. Um, I think that he... You know, as a starter, when it's Kevin Durant or it's someone else, and it's not he's when he's not next to DJ Nick, you know, Bruce Brown is is much better. Let's uh, it's just plain and simple. And some of that's DJ's fault, some of that's Bruce Brown's fault. And um, you know, when he's he, it just gives him a bit more space to hit that floater game. And uh, when DJ's not necessarily next to there, because it allows the uh, two defenders to to contest it a, a lot easier, a, a lot easier for them. But yeah, overall, I I think Bruce Brown is going to get his groove back uh, in in the coming games. Once Steve Nash gets him greater opportunities and greater lineups to to produce in as well. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think the lineups are holding him back. And I think his floaters a touch off right now. Like you said, kind of get back in the groove. And a lot of different things in basketball require rhythm. So it'll be interesting to see how he's impacted by the return of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and where he kind of fits into the rotation and the lineups. Definitely, definitely. One good thing, Nick, uh, I just saw from Alex Schiffer of The Athletic. James Harden said he feels better after having a few days to rest his neck. Said his knee was bothering him too and that he feels better. Now, it did seem to me that he looked a little bit more spry and springy, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think James Harden is pretty intelligent when it comes to conserving his energy. I think he knows that he's going to play a lot of minutes. So that's when you see him out there sometimes not necessarily look super energetic. It's like he needs to hold some of that in the back of the tank. And obviously there is still going to be fatigue. He probably feels a little bit better, but he's a guy that needs more than one game off or one day off to kind of get back into his full 100% James Harden. And hopefully the Nets can give him that opportunity when the other two superstars are back. Yeah, it's a vibe, Nick. We're all working too hard and we're not getting enough days off. That's been 2021 in a nutshell. <laughs> and then, what, 2020, we had too many days off and we were quarantined. So it, it's just a terrible balance out here, Jack. It's been rough. But anything else you want to talk about in terms of the Nets and Pistons game? I think that overall, Nick, it was just a, an affair that we're, we're, good, we're happy to get away with the W because it seemed like the Pistons wanted it a little bit more and they showed a, a lot more fight than the Nets and, and sometimes that fight breached the line a little bit too much but overall the Nets holding on um, that's what good teams do yeah 100% Jack and like you said this is the final matchup of the season Nets went 2-1 against this team they fought hard in every single matchup there are some you know difficulties for the Nets where the the Pistons can exploit their weaknesses and obviously guys being out but Jack we had the NBA trade deadline pass yesterday and the Nets did not make a move yeah, I think that we had some casuals um, certainly jumping on Twitter uh, criticizing Sean Marks for some weird goddamn reason, despite the fact that he has acquired one of the best players in the NBA and also got Blake Griffin on a buyout. And it's just like, why hasn't Sean Marks done anything? I was kind of like, I was putting it out there on Twitter just for the sake to get some clicks and get some likes here or there. But overall, I just don't think you know the, the Nets could have necessarily done anything. I'm, I'm happy Spencer did what he's staying because maybe this could mean that we maybe see him opt in and maybe we do see him at the at the latter points of the season. You know, just for the sentimentality factor. We, we had some people you know hit us up on Twitter as well about that as well. Spencer did what he's been such an important part of this team and an important part of just our fandom to, to, for the Brooklyn Nets. So it's good to see that you know maybe we get that glimpse of him coming back. You know, he was posting some funny gifts. 
I don't know. I think Terence Ross might have got him a, a little bit uh, there in, in some respects, but to see him sort of have fun with it as he always does. Um, the, the buzz spot is still open, Spence. I don't know how many times I've got to jump in your mentions, my dude, and at you on Twitter. Tequila, Dragon Ball Z. We don't have the chat. Uh, look, topics are yours, mate. I'll let you come up with a rundown, and Nick and I will just bounce off you, my dude. <laughs> No, I mean, like you said, Jack, you know, obviously there were some opportunities maybe to get another player, but nothing that Sean Marks really liked in that situation. And it'll be cool to see Spencer, hopefully, if he doesn't return, at least on the bench during the postseason and supporting him because we know he's just kind of the type of guy you like to have around. And, you know, there is, like I kind of mentioned, there's still a chance, and like you mentioned, Jack, there's still a small chance that we could see him this season. The Nets are one of the most conservative teams in the league, but it seems like Spencer is really determined to set the record for the quickest ACL recovery in NBA history. Partially torn ACL, yeah. Nick. So that, that for me is what sort of like, you know, no structural AC- damage as well. Yeah. Traditional ACLs are generally nine to 12 months, six to 12 months, depending on just the general recovery of your body. And Spencer Dinwiddie is obviously Iron Man and a goddamn warrior and probably has, you know, a million sensu beans in his house somewhere to allow him to recover quicker than <laughs> many other guys going around. So look, Hopefully Spencer Dibbon, he's putting that black and white on again soon because, man, could you imagine this team with Spencer Dibbon, Nick? It's just almost like a fantasy. You know, the bench would just become even better and the, the questions of, you know, the Nets' depth would just become even more to the wayside. It would be ridiculous, Jack. I mean, his skill set in that second unit at times would just be amazing, and you'd be able to find more rest for players too, which I think is really crucial. You know what I mean? It's just like you don't have to depend on James Harden to be out there to run the second unit or Kyrie Irving. Like Spencer Dinwiddie is fully capable of doing that and doing it at an extremely high level, especially with some of the other tools on this roster. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm just thinking about you know him in the second year with like James Harden, him attacking off the catch and going downhill. There are a few players who have that athleticism that Spencer Dinwiddie does have, and I don't think necessarily that this uh, injury is going to necessarily deter any of that from him going forward. Because you know you look at the other guys that have done ACLs, and the immediate one that springs to mind is Zach Levine, and that dude is bouncing, springy as ever, winning goddamn dunk contests, and making All Star appearances. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is going to come back stronger than ever, and hopefully it's this season. Uh, but whatever else uh, the future lives for Spencer Dinwiddie. We know we, he's going to have a, a, a big place in our heart as Brooklyn Nets fans there. Our hearts are black and white, and that includes Spencer Dinwiddie. 100%, Jack, and obviously he had a huge impact in getting Nets where they are now. Anything else you want to touch on before we get out here, Jack? Man, I just uh, I hope that the game that Kevin Durant does come back for, Nick, in going forward, whether it's against the Rockets or whether maybe it's against the Hornets or the Bulls, I just really goddamn hope that I get to recap it and I'm not at work. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe hit your boy Kevin Durant in the DMs. He's liked your tweet. Just send a tweet out there. Sure. Let him know. I need I need you to let me know. So if I do have to take a sick day, I can do it in advance. No, yeah, but, uh, hopefully uh, my uh, employer doesn't have access to my Twitter profile for <laughs> many, many reasons other than that. Yeah, I mean, if they do, you can just tell them it's another Jack Manuel who lives in the U.S. I got you. Um. Yeah, definitely, and who is friends with Kevin Durant. And um, yeah, let's just let's just keep the Twitter profile separate from uh, the education of Australia's youth. Yeah, one hundred percent, Jack. Always a pleasure. Big thanks everybody for listening, and find us on all streaming platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.